0: Uh, If you remain standing now as we read God's word together, these words from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we're going to read from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Will you read aloud with me? Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So we're starting a new sermon series uh, this weekend called This Is My Story. Um, we know that all of us have a story, and all of us have a faith story, a story about um, how we are either coming to faith or have come to faith and and The whole goal of this sermon series is to share our faith stories with you i 'll share a little bit uh, of mine and, and Pastor Mark will share a little bit of his next uh, couple of weeks and uh, The goal is to share our story with you so that we can all feel a little bit more comfortable in sharing our faith stories with each other, and not just us gathered here but uh, with your friends and, and your family and your neighbors, maybe even those who, who don't have a relationship with Christ yet, that we can all share our story and feel comfortable in that. That We can feel comfortable because it is our story. Nobody else has one quite like ours. And so we can begin to share it with each other. Now, if you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take those out. that might help guide you through this uh, next uh, little bit as we talk together. And I I want to begin uh, this sermon by just telling you a little bit about the story of Abram. Because um, as a young person, uh, I I found a lot of support in this story, and I hope you might as well. And I just think it's a really fascinating story. I read the story of Abram, Uh, he will later be called Abraham. Um, Abram in in Hebrew uh, means great father. And we read about this man who is called, and he will be called the father of many nations. Uh, that God will use Abram or Abraham to bless really the entire world. And this is the very beginning of that story. Uh, The very beginning, and it really begins quite simply. We read it just a little bit ago. uh, But simply, God says this, Go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, the scripture we're reading from, uh, the translation is um, NRSV, or New Revised Standard Version. And when it comes across this Hebrew word, yalak, let's all say this together. You ready? Yalak on three. You ready? One, two, three. Yalak. This is the, the Hebrew word for go. And it doesn't just mean go. It means get out. If we were reading the King James Version, it would say, get thee out. Get thee out of the country. Escape, Abram. Flee for your life. Abram, don't look back. You Abram. Get out of your country. Go from your land, from your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. It's this stair step of difficulty that God calls Abram to. God begins by calling Abram to leave his country, this place that he's called home for many years, apparently. So that's difficult enough, but then he says, leave your kindred, those people with whom you've grown up, those people that you've known since their birth, leave those people, and not only that, but leave your father's house. Leave everything you know, and not only that, but you lock, flee from there, escape, don't look back. And where are you going? Well, I'll tell you later. Right, this yalak, this get out. What we know about this passage, what we know about this call to Abram is that this is not a request, but it is a command. It is a command to get out, to go, to yalak. And it's really a pretty incredible story. You read this story of Abram who has many things. He has to pack up his entire family and and all of his belongings and take this several years journey out from this place to go to this place. He doesn't even know where he's going. He has to, Yalak, he has to go. And it's the very beginning of the story, a very difficult story. But you know, sometimes I become kind of jealous of Abram because he gets this audible word from God. He gets this audible command, and and not a request, right? This command, this go now, this do this. And as we contemplate the call in our lives, maybe you've gotten that clear command from God, and I hope and I pray that you have. Or maybe instead you've heard this still, small voice. And that's maybe a little bit more difficult to hear that we actually have to remain silent to listen, that we actually have to speak to God to get to know him, to hear that yalak, to hear that go from here. But it doesn't just end there. It doesn't just stop with this go from this place to a place that I will show you. In fact, it continues in uh, verses 2 through 3. God says this, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if I was Abram receiving this word, I I would feel a little anxious at this point. Right, because we, what we read in the book of Genesis, it's in what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. It's in the very beginning of the entire story of Scripture. The entire story of our salvation begins here. That what we read up to this point is that Abram is the, last, or the first good shot that this world has at getting fixed. At the very beginning of the story, we read of the characters of Adam and Eve, right? God places them in the garden, uh, in the Garden of Eden, to help till and keep the soil, right? To help um, keep the land for God. And what we read is that they choose to do another thing that many humans do we choose to go our own way. And so the world gets a little broken. And then we read the story of their children, Cain and Abel, and Cain killing his brother Abel, and still the world gets a little bit more broken. And then we continue to see these stories after stories that happen that show how broken the world is, and then here God is calling Abram, calling Abram so that all of the families of the world will be blessed through him. Well, that's quite a calling. And if I was Abram and I would receive this word to hear that I would be the one who would bless the entire world, I would feel a little anxious, I would feel a little nervous about that. But what we learn is that blessing the world isn't Abram's job. In fact, Abram has a simple responsibility. That what we learn about anxiety is this, that anxiety is caused by confusing our responsibilities with God's. Uh, if you uh, use Twitter at all, you might want to tweet that out, that that anxiety is caused by confusing our responsibilities with God's. That when we think we have to take over for God, that, that God isn't doing this thing quite right, I know that God wants this outcome to be, I know that God wants this thing to happen, and so I need to do everything I can to make this outcome happen, and that causes us great anxiety, or at least it does me, I don't know about you. That when this confusion happens, it can cause this spin in our lives. And what we're called to do instead is to give up those outcomes and let God be God. And let's take a little bit, look, let's take a quick look at, at the responsibilities that happen in this exchange between Abram and God. That, that both characters have responsibility in this story. Let's first take a look at God's responsibilities, that what God says God will do when he speaks to Abram. God um, God says, I will show you the land, right? God says, I'll show you where to go. Uh, That's one of his responsibilities. I will make of you a great nation, Abram. You, you are uh, fatherless right now. You don't have any children, but I'll make of you a great nation. Okay, so that's two. And then God says, I'll, I will bless you uh, and, and I will bless those who bless you and those you know, who curse you, I will curse. So God says, okay, I'll do that. That's, that's number three. And then I will make your name great, Abram. That, that everyone from here until eternity will know your name. God says, I'll do that. I've got that part. Okay, so let's take a look at Abram's responsibilities really quick. Abram's responsibilities are go. Go, Abram. That's all you have to do. And God says, I will do the rest. That what we realize... the great call that God has in our life is that we have a responsibility to act. We have a responsibility to, to do. And we get to leave the outcomes. We get to leave the rest up to God. And, and this lesson has really been formative on, on my life and, and on my calling uh, as some of you uh, might or might not know, I grew up in Coweta, Oklahoma. Uh, it's just southeast of Tulsa, and it's really where I spent um, all of my childhood and, and young life. Uh, I grew up going to uh, Coweta, a uh, 1st United Methodist church. Uh, here's a picture of it here. It is like your typical small-town uh, country church. It was an awesome place to grow up um, because you know everybody knew me, but it was also kind of an unfortunate place to grow up because everybody knew me. Maybe you've grown up in a similar town. And it was in this church, in this place around these people, that I really uh, started to develop my call. I started to feel like God was calling me to ministry, and not only ministry, but maybe even to ordained ministry, to become a pastor, to become a preacher. I I felt that at a very early age, and this call was cultivated each and every year, especially each and every summer, as I got to go to church camp. Uh, That was always a really cool time for me, and I have a picture of me here. I'm the one at the bottom left, making a goofy face treating camp very seriously. And uh, camp was always an amazing time for me because I got to feel this call cultivated in me. And every time I went, I felt God affirm this call. But with this call that I had in my life to ordain ministry, every time I felt God call me, I also felt questions kind of well up. And, and every time I felt God call me and, and I felt clearly that God would say that, that I was called to ordain ministry, that I was called to be a pastor, there was always these questions that would come up. Where am I going to serve? What, what am I going to do? How, what is that going to look like? And, and, and what about my family? You know, what about them? Are, are they going to be okay? Is everything going to work out? And, and, you know, am I going to be able to make a living off of this? Is this actually going to work out for all of us? And all of these questions began to well up in my life, and, and, and they started to cause this just extreme anxiety in my life because I knew that I was called. I, I knew what I was going to be doing in my life, but all of these questions were still unanswered. And so finally, it came to the time where I, I, I still had these questions, and, and their answers still loomed in my mind. And so by the time that Melissa and I got married, uh, we were well into college. Um, by this time, we, were, it was between our, we got married between, in the summer between our junior and senior year. And, and I knew that I needed to get a job to help support us. And, and so um, instead of going into ministry, I decided, you know what? I, this, All of this anxiety, all of this stuff going on in my life, I really don't think I need that right now. And so um, instead of going into ministry, uh, I got a job at Gordman's. Um, it's a little different than, than ministry, although not entirely. Um, but I got a job at Gordman's. For those of you who don't know, it's a discount clothing store. And, and I got to work in the stock room, uh, which is exactly where you want to work when you're in retail. Um, I got to uh, get there on Thursday mornings at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, to help unload the shipment. The, the truck would come in, and I would uh, be one of the guys who could you know, get the flatbeds out and unload everything on it and unload everything off of it. And, and it was this really kind of grinding work. And um, I met uh, just a lot of really great people there. Um, but what I learned was that, that you know, I don't think I was called to do this. Yeah, you know, I would be working really hard and I would be doing all these things and it kind of all seemed for naught. It kind of all seemed to no avail that I was doing these things that I didn't really feel this reward when I got home. I didn't get home and feel like I had accomplished what I was sent here to do. And that's really when I learned of the pain that comes from from. Not striving toward my call. And, and I just want to take a moment to talk about call. I I think Christians use this term a lot. Uh, we use this term to say, you know, everyone is called. And, and when we use it, we, we tend to talk about it in like a, a macrocosmic way, in just a really big way. We talk about a call, which is sometimes really good. You know, some people will say, you know, well, I'm, I'm called to be a doctor or, or you know, I'm, I'm called to be, you know, a lawyer or a business person or even a preacher or, or whatever it is. And, and that's a kind of a very large-scale way to look at things. And I think that's a really good thing to do. Um, but I think also that our call is not just macrocosmic. It's, it's in the micro. It's in the minute. It's in the detail. It's in the day-to-day that our call is in the very small steps of life as well. That does God have a great and grand call on our life? Yes, I believe God does. But I don't think we can just fulfill that grand call by any one step. That in fact, I think it's a number of decisions that lead to fulfilling that call. That, That I think following God means doing the next right thing. I think it's as simple as that. By doing the next right thing, that's all we can can control. It's simply day-to-day doing the next right thing, the thing that we believe God is calling us to do, that that is what we can do. And I think that is how we can live into the call that God has on our life. When we read about this next right thing, definitely Abram did it. Right? Abram was called to go and leave his his country, his kindred, and his father's house, and he went and he did it. That was the next right thing that he could do. We also read about this next right thing in in the story of Jesus. Uh, At the very beginning of Jesus's ministry in the Gospel of Mark, we read that he was baptized. Uh, We read this story in the Gospel of Mark, that in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. God says, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So now Jesus has been baptized and then comes the next thing. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, I I think this is interesting, that I believe God called Jesus to go and to be baptized by John the Jordan that day, and then the next thing was for him to go into the wilderness, be tempted for 40 days. For 40 days, and he fasted the entire time he was in the wilderness while he was tempted. And I wonder if God calls us to the day-to-day. I wonder if God calls us to the step-by-step. Simply because if we knew the grand scale, if we knew the next step, maybe we might not want to take it. But I believe God knows exactly where we can step. God knows exactly where we can be. If we will simply take that next step, we read that the angels waited on Jesus. And I believe if we are faithful in that next step, if we are faithful in that next thing, then angels will wait on us as well. Now, I think following God not only means doing the next right thing, but following God also means leaving something. We are people who don't have much margin in our lives. We don't have much really free time to do much of anything, let alone ministry, let alone taking the next step in what God has for us. And so maybe what's, what God is calling you today is simply to leave something, to, to, to quit something that we might have some margins, some area in our lives that we can truly step into, that we can do what God has called us to do, that we might feel called to leave something. Jesus felt called to leave something as, as he left civilization, right? As he went out into the wilderness, he had to leave behind all of the comforts, even food and water itself, that he could go and be tempted. Abram obviously had to leave something, right? Abram obviously had to leave his entire country, everything he knew. And, and for me, when I was working at Gorman's and feeling this pain in my life of not fulfilling what God had called me to do, I realized it was at that point that I needed to leave something. And, and so I, I quit. I quit Gorman's not really knowing the next step I was going to take, but knowing that it really couldn't be there, that it wasn't going to be this thing that I was called to do. And, and so I quit and, and uh, a little later found a youth director position at a local church and I uh, took that position and, and worked there for a few months until I realized it was time for me to start seminary, uh, to start education so that i become a pastor. And so I, I, I started seminary. And, and really, as soon as, as I um, enrolled in seminary, uh, my senior pastor uh, had called me into his office. And he had told me that he was aware that I had enrolled in seminary and um, was also aware that I was maybe even looking for a church to serve in. And, and if you're not in the Methodist church, we um, have a system of, called appointments. And so usually, you know, a, a, a bishop calls and, and has a district superintendent maybe call you and, and makes an appointment, tells you where you're going to be serving once you um, enroll to be in this appointment system. And um, he had me there in his office, my senior pastor, and he said, you know, maybe we can call our district superintendent, maybe we can call our boss and see if they would consider appointing you here as the associate pastor. I said, you know, that, that would be great. I, was, I lived, you know, five minutes from my church and, and five minutes from the school I was going to be t- attending seminary, and I said, that would, be, that would be great. That would be fantastic, and, and all these things started to happen. I ended up becoming the associate pastor. Uh, I, I ended up becoming the associate pastor of business administration, which was a little like Jesus going out into the wilderness. It was... Uh, it was quite an interesting experience, me, over business administration, and, uh, but it was still a great experience for me. Again, I believe that God calls us to a step so they he can show us the next one a little bit later. That what we find is that God is calling us to the next steps so that we might be able to leave something, that we might be able to put something behind us. And, and for me, the thing I was called to leave was not just Gordman's and and all those little steps. What I was called to leave was those ideas that I could control any outcome in my life. I, I was called to leave the idea that I could control every facet of my life so that I could ensure exactly where I would be living 20 years from now. So that I could ensure exactly how much I would be making, ensure exactly what school my kids would go into. I was called to leave behind this idea that I could control all of these outcomes so that I could become successful. Because I think there's this temptation in us to control all these outcomes so that we can achieve success, and I think there's a greater outcome. And so I would encourage you, friends, to not trade significance for success. Please, as we consider our outcomes, as we consider the goals in our life, let us not trade significance so that we might be considered successful. Let us not trade influence so that we might make a little bit more money. Because I think it would be the greatest thing for this world if Christians became people who were significant in this world. And not just for the simple fact that they believed in Jesus, but because their outcomes showed it. Because of their actions, that when everyone looked at them, they didn't need to go around saying, I'm Christian, that they would look at these people serving, that they would look at these people doing things for others simply because God loved them. And they would say, surely those people are Christians. Surely those people are significant in this world. Surely these people have influence. I think that's what God calls us to. Not this idea that we can just simply be successful, but that we might be significant and have influence in this world. We read of these people trying to achieve success in the, in the uh, book of Genesis. Um, just one chapter before we read the story of Abram, we read the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, it's the story in Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain on the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. What we read is these people work very diligently to build this tower with its top in the heavens. The, the biggest thing that anyone has ever seen is that anybody who might come and look upon them would fear them because they could build this giant structure. And they said, come, let us build a name, make a name for ourselves. And God scatters them. The scripture says God confused their language, made many different languages at this moment. And I think it's interesting the difference between a people who try to make a name for themselves and a person, Abram, to whom God says, I will make your name great. that maybe centuries from now, people might not remember your name. People might not know who you were. But they might sense the influence that you had in this world. that they might know that the people who followed Christ were significant in this world simply because they listened to God. That they didn't spend out of control trying to do all the things that were simply out of their reach, but that they simply listened to God and obeyed. What might happen in this world if we did that very thing? So I'd encourage you this week, um, one of the things is simply to do the next right thing. I believe that's what God calls all of us to do, and I think there's something special in each of our lives if we just focus on the day-to-day that we can actually do that. That's something that we can actually achieve today, this evening, and even tomorrow. We can do that again and again. I don't know what that is in your life. I think it's special to you. And I hope that you would discern that out of prayer, even reading scripture, talking to other Christian friends, that you could say, can you pray for me and, and help me discern what this thing is? That I think we can all do the next right thing. And I would also ask you to consider, even pray that, see if there's anything in your life that you're called to leave Because you might be called to leave something. Maybe it's as drastic as as leaving your job and and going to do maybe this thing that you've always had on your mind, always had on your heart. Maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just these other responsibilities that are lying out there, these ways in which you've spread yourself so thin that you can't actually accomplish one thing. Whatever it is, I would encourage you to leave it, to go to Yalak. Leave that thing behind, because, quite frankly, friends, it's well, it's holding us back. Uh, there was a famous uh, Spanish conquistador in the 1500s uh, named Hernan Cortez, and uh, he's the man who. Uh, who was attributed to have founded uh, Central America, what we would know as uh, modern-day Mexico. And uh, even though there were native peoples there, he came and he conquered the land for Spain. And there's a famous story of uh, Cortes arriving on the beaches of modern-day Mexico. and uh, Some 11 ships, over 500 men, they had just traveled over 5,000 miles, and they landed on the beach, and he ordered each and every man off of the ship. And so all of them gather these 500 men on this beach as they come around him just in earshot of Cortez as he gives them the command. Burn the ships, he says. We will conquer this land for Spain, but not before you burn these ships. Cortez erased the idea that they would return, that they would flee, that they would retreat from the mission they had been called to do. So that they might actually go and do this thing. What is that thing you're called to leave? What is that thing that's holding you back? I hope you would turn from it. I hope that you would leave it behind. I hope my prayer for you is that you would burn the ship.